Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Peak Tea. If you're interested in tea and you want antioxidants to fuel your body, Peak Tea is the way to go. This is something I drink on a daily basis. And it's one of my favorite companies because their teas are super pure and made with powerful concentrated superfoods. And I want to tell you about their fasting teas. Now, you guys know I'm huge on intermittent fasting for all the ways it supports my energy, digestion, and immune health. Peak makes a ginger green fasting tea that's just out of this world, and their bergamot black tea is made with bergamot from Calabria, Italy. They even have a caffeine-free cinnamon tea that my whole family loves. This is the tea that I'm mostly drinking is the cinnamon herbal fasting tea, which has burdock root, cinnamon, bergamot, and mint. Burdock's great for lymphatic system. Cinnamon is so good for blood sugar stability. These have been formulated by my friend, Dr. Jason Fung. He is the world's leading expert on intermittent fasting. So they're really incredible for curbing cravings and managing your appetite. My fasting windows just fly by. Sometimes I forget that I'm fasting at all. Even when I'm not fasting, they provide this powerful mix of antioxidants and herbs like ginger and mint that support digestion and satiety, you know, that feeling of fullness. If you ever fall victim to to a snack attack or you have cravings, I tell you, these teas are a secret weapon. I drink peak tea every day and I feel amazing. My energy, my digestion, this stuff is so much more than tea, and they have 20 different flavors. So I'm sure you can find something that you're, you enjoy. They deliver concentrated antioxidants to support healthy immunity, digestion, and weight management. They use a cutting edge cold crystallization technology that extracts the active ingredients in superfoods at their maximum potential. That's what makes them so unique. They also triple toxin screen all of their herbs to get rid of pesticides, heavy metals, and toxic molds. So you get pure benefits with no junk. I know a lot of people are concerned when it comes to tea about some of these contaminants. You can rest assured that Peak has gotten all of this stuff out of there. They also dissolve in seconds in cold or hot water. So it's easy to drink on the go. You can add them to smoothies. I mean, it's just zero prep. And they're delicious. Peak actually won three gold medals at the Global Tea Championships for their quality and their flavor. They have 15,000 five-star reviews. I mean, that's a lot. More than any tea brand in the market. They also have a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. So you either love it or your money back. So guys, go to peaktea.com slash 
Jockers, J-O-C-K-E-R-S. Go there right now. You'll get 5% off your first order. Now, Peak hardly ever offers discounts, so you don't want to miss this exclusive offer. So that's 5% off at peaktea.com slash jockers. So you just, it's spelled P-I-Q-U-E-T-E-A dot com slash jockers, my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S. So try that out, guys. I know that you're going to love it. Remember, Peak Tea is the T for radiant health. Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to the Dr. Jockers Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm excited about today's topic. We're going to be talking about using pure and concentrated plant medicine for optimal health. And our guest is Simon Chang. He's the founder and CEO of Peak Tea. If you've been listening to my show for any period of time, you know that I'm a big fan of these teas. They're the purest most concentrated form of teas that I have found. So I'm excited to interview Simon. And he has got a really incredible health story that we're going to talk about. And that's really what got him going with plant medicine. And peak tea is a culmination of everything he's learned about medicinal plants and breath work. And it's Simon's mission to share it with the world. Peak is the world's first cold brew crystallized tea designed for radiant health. The Chosen Tea for Health Benefits by doctors, nutritionists, fitness gurus alike. The tea crystals are effective. They have concentrated antioxidants. They're pure, triple toxin screen. You guys have heard me talk about this on pure po- on past podcasts, uh, how important it is to screen a lot of these things for heavy metals, pesticides, and toxic mold. And uh, so it's just really, really good stuff. And Simon earned his undergraduate and master's degrees from Harvard and Stanford. He is the youngest member of Harvard School of Public Health's Nutrition Roundtable. So that's a great honor. Well, Simon, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, David. It's a huge pleasure to be here. I'm so excited for our conversation. Well, good. I'm, I, I am too. And so let's, talk, let's start by talking about your story and how you got into plant medicines and breath work to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. So I was, uh, I grew up in Hong Kong. It's a place that is steeped in, in tea and then a lot of different herbal plants. It kind of, you know, is incorporated into our daily diet. You know, everywhere you go, if you work in a bank or in a, in a large office, there's a first thing you, that happens when you walk in is that there's a tea lady or a tea gentleman that comes and fills your cup with loose leaf brewed tea. Mm. And then they come again in the afternoon. You know, if you go to a restaurant, there's tea. You go to somebody's house, there's tea. Um, and even the soups, you know, if you go to a restaurant and you order the soup of the day, it's actually made with a bunch of medicinal herbs and plants to help balance your body according to the season and the weather pattern. So if it's summer and it's rainy, it's different than when it's cold and, and you know, windy. So there's this constant kind of usage of plants and daily diet to help you, you know, kind of balance your body out, boost your immunity and so on and so forth. Um, I came to the US, as you know, um, during my late teens, I was here for college, um, for high school before that. And pretty much the moment I set foot here, and you know, probably before that, I got really into this, you know, idea of competition and the race, right? And I think it probably intensified when I went to Harvard, where, you know, life became very much about, you know, wanting to get the highest paying job and being in, you know, the most exciting industry. So for 10 years of my life in my 20s, um, I worked in the financial industry. I worked in a hedge fund. Every day I was drinking about two double, two to three double espressos a day, completely disconnected from a number of things. You know, how my, how my, I felt physically, how I felt emotionally, how I felt spiritually. 
Um, and every year I had a different sort of respiratory infection that would normally start in my nose and kind of go into my throat and into my lungs. And so every year I was on antibiotics at least once or twice, um, including steroid sprays. I was on like asthmatics, like inhalers. Um, and eventually, you know, I developed skin problems. So I took antibiotics for that. And there were, you know, other sorts of skin sensitivities and I'd had steroid creams for that. And I was brought up, um, you know, I'm 42 this year. Um, I was brought up at a time where I was, you know, my parents very much taught me to listen to the doctor. It's like, if anything's wrong with you, go, go and see the doctor, take all the prescribed meds, don't miss a single one and you'll be fine. And that's what I did for 10 years. Um, and not only did my health not improve, actually both my lungs ended up collapsing during those 10 years. I had to get, you know, operations in both lungs, staple up the holes, you know, kind of, you know, fuse the, the, the lung to the chest wall. And even then it didn't occur to me that the body is a holistic system something was wrong. You know, all of my problems were respiratory related. It never once occurred to me that, hey, you know what, this, this warrants some, some sort of investigation here. Um, and then when I turned 30, when I was at Stanford, a lot of my friends had told me that, hey, you know, you should probably check out your, your sleeping, you know, there's serious snoring, sounds like you're suffocating. I went to see the, um, the doctors at the uh, Stanford sleep clinic, and they told me that, well, you know, you have very severe um, obstructive sleep apnea, um, and, you know, you're young, you should get the surgery, um, you have to think about your love life, it's so non-invasive, it's super easy, you know, super high success rate, like, you know, well in like, you know, 85 plus percent uh, success rate. And I was, you know, again, I was very much trained to listen to doctors. So I said, okay, you know, sure, you guys must be the best, right? Like you guys, you know, invented this procedure and, you know, you're Stanford and this and that. And so I did the procedure and this was between my MBA one and, uh, and two, the, between the two years. And um, I remember the night um, after the operation, I was in the ICU, which was kind of surprising to me. You know, I was like, why am I in the ICU? You know, this is meant to be pretty, you know, pretty non-invasive. Um, and then the next morning, my friends came to see me and, uh, you know, they had a look of horror on their face because my head had swollen to, you know, the size of like a, a basketball. Wow. Um, and they were like, just shocked. They're like, Simon, like, what have you done? Like, what is this? You know, what, what, what is this procedure? And, and, and they're like, oh, you know, it's to fix my sleep apnea so I don't have to use, you know, a CPAP machine. And they're like, well, what do you mean? Like, you didn't, you didn't have to do this? And I was like, no, you know, it was just like, it was an alternative and, you know, it's great. Like I'll never have to use the CPAP. And, um, and so I left, you know, I started my internship, which was in a, in a private equity fund. And every day my jaw started swelling a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I called up the doctor. I said, hey, I think there's very possibly something wrong here. And they said, well, you know, you, you, you might have a jawbone inf in infection. And I said, why? You know why you guys didn't do anything to my jawbone and they're like well you know actually we cut a hole in it where it's connected to your tongue via uh, a tendon and we pulled that piece of bone out and help and then put it in place with a screw and so that area is probably gone infected which was confirmed in the x-ray so i had to quit my job i had to go back to the hospital at stanford they had to open it up clean it out take the screw out and then i was on two and a half months of intravenous antibiotics mm. after that and at the end of the surgery my sleep apnea was unimproved. In fact, it had gone worse from all of the scar tissue that was created.
Wow. That was kind of like, you know, the life-changing event for me. It was like the wake-up call. It, it was like, it, it completely blew my mind that I could actually have a medical procedure that was very painful, very expensive, and led to this kind of outcome where I spent, you know, my 30th birthday with a, with a line going into my heart. Mm. You know, it, it's, you know, intravenous antibiotics, they would have dissolved a regular right. vein. That's why it had to be administered into a heart valve. And I was supposed to be at the peak of my health. And that was like this big turning point where I reevaluated everything that I had been told, my entire approach to my health, to my life, to my wellness. Um, and I started seeking out all of these different practitioners in traditional Chinese medicine, in plant medicine, and you know, different kind of methods of healing, um, breath work, qigong. And I just got so, you know, the more I, I experienced it, the more passion I got, the more I wanted to learn. Um, and it was, you know, very a life-changing event for me. Wow. wow. And so uh, obviously, you know, you started with plant medicines and breath work. And what did you find when he when you started studying plant medicines? And how did that how did what did you notice as you started implementing these into your health? Yeah, well, you know, it's something that is very similar to, um, you know, the, the, the motto that, that you guys have. And it's that, you know, the power to heal is actually is inside you. You just, yeah. <laughs> you know, you That's just right. don't want to interfere with it. Um, and you want to discover that, right? And so using the plants, using the breath work in particular, I think breath work in particular and this kind of the, the spiritual awareness that it helped me develop, it involved also a physical and emotional awareness where you're just much more in tune with what's going on in your body, right? Mm -hmm. And just by being aware and sensitive to that, you're able to focus on problems before they develop. Um, furthermore, there's been a very, very long tradition of using plants for preventive, you know, purposes, right? You know, and yep. tea is really kind of like the most common denominator of that. And so just by using your mind and by using tea and different, you know, plants and, and kind of, you know, alternative approaches to medicine, you can accomplish quite a bit. Um, there's an interesting example um, where, you know, I used to have back pain for basically years, um, you know, for ever since I, years before I started peak, I had back pain. Um, there's a book called Healing Back Pain by John Sarno. And, uh, and you know, I was, um, and I read it because a friend introduced it to me, or I read a different, it was kind of the mind-body connection or something like that. And it made no impact on me. And then I heard a doctor, a very, very well-known doctor talk about it and, and say that, hey, you know, this is actually a very powerful book. And so I picked up Mind Body, uh, the Healing Back Pain, and, I, and literally within reading the first, the first half of the first page, my back pain, which I had, you know, spent thousands of dollars to deal with, you know, from standing desk to ergonomic things to all sorts of things, literally vanished, like yeah. it was gone. Oh. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that came with this, the knowledge that was in those pages, but also this kind of 10 years of, of breathwork practice that I've been developing mm. to understand kind of the source of these, these problems and then that you kind know, of very heightened awareness to it. And it hasn't come back since, by the way, this is like, you know, a year ago, year yeah, and a half yeah. ago. Wow. Really interesting. Now, how do you, yeah. how do you practice breathwork? What are the things that you do with that? Yeah. So I practice a form of breathwork called, um, you know, it's, it's, we teach it to our, to our, you know, community and our, mm -hmm. and our customer base. Um, but it's based on, it's based on Qigong, basically Qigong mm -hmm. meditation. Qigong meditation is probably the oldest form of meditation. Um, it's about as old as, as yoga, um, possibly older. And so it's been practiced for thousands of years. It's also the very widely practiced form of meditation. But what it is, is that it helps you tune into the, the meridians in your body, the energy channels in your body, according to traditional Chinese medicine. 
Now, as you know, with acupuncture and TCM, um, the meridians in your body are very well mapped out. You know, it's right. been, it's, it's a very highly refined, highly accurate process. And so the, the understanding is that the, the energy moves in and out of, you know, up and down these meridians and these channels, right? And so with the practice of Qigong, you're focusing on certain meridians and certain channels to stimulate the circulation of the flow. So it would be very similar to, you know, you going on a run or you getting a massage or getting an acupuncture treatment. There is a certain amount of circulation that's stimulated. Well, what we're doing is doing that with the breath, right? And, and then concentration. And so it's, it's a very powerful form of meditation um, and, uh, and a very, very healing one. Hmm. Interesting. Now, so you use plant medicines, you started uh, experimenting with teas, you were doing the breath work. What were some of the other health strategies that you implemented as well? Yeah, so I mean, the, the, the herbal teas, you know, the, the, the teas and herbal teas were really like a, a huge part of that, yeah. right? Um, I, I don't want to kind of, you know, underestimate the, the, the impact of that. It's, it's, you know, tea mm -hmm. is like the second most drank beverage in the world for, for a reason um, yeah. outside of America. Um, and so, you know, from, from the very, very early days, um, you know, even when it's in its first discovery, like the founding mythology of tea was that, you know, there was this emperor of, of herbs um, and, 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 you know, the, the, the yellow emperor was, was you know, or, or, or the, the Shen Nong is another person who is rumored to have discovered tea. Um, it, he was somebody that experimented with all the different herbs and all the different plants, right? And tea was the one thing that he used that was a, was, a solve for everything. He said it was like the, the, the herb that solved the hundred problems and a hundred illnesses, right? And so the applications are incredibly broad. Um, the thing, the biggest realization for tea for me was that in most cases, people don't drink enough to, to derive any benefit from it. Mm. You know, you talk to tea drinkers and you're like, hey, how much do you drink? Not that it's a competition, but obviously like every single study that's been done on tea and their lot, you know, it's probably the most studied food out there, right? Because so many yeah. people drink it for so long. Um, they all have a certain amount of catechins or EGCG or polyphenols or something or theoflavins that they've observed results from, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't get that amount if you just drink, you know, or when I am not feeling well, I drink a cup of tea. That's not mm -hmm. going to cut it. Or even if you drink a cup of tea a week or even one a day. So, you know, Harvard School of Public Health has research about this on their nutrition source website. They suggest three or more cups of tea a day would roughly be equivalent to the amount of tea consumed in all of these different studies. So okay. three or more cups is a significant amount, right? Um, and that's kind of was, you know, the, the breakthrough for me is like incorporating tea into my daily ritual, right? right. In a way that's easy, that doesn't take up too much time. Um, in a way that doesn't add toxins to my body. So the pesticides, toxic mold, um, you know, heavy metals, um, and then also is, uh, is, you know, effective, is concentrated. And so that's kind of what led to the creation of, of peak tea is that, you know, we're all very much on the go. Um, I'm not a fan of tea bags. I think that they're very kind of, you know, industrialized product. Um, and loose leaf tea, frankly, is, is extremely troublesome. You know, in Asia and in many parts of the world, in the Middle East and even in Europe, you know, you can go to a hotel and order tea and it, and it comes in a beautiful pot. Everywhere in Asia, it comes in a pot. So, you know, that quality is there, that understanding is there. But, you know, here in America, we're constantly on the go. And, you know, the iced tea that you order at a restaurant is, you know, it's not the same thing. Um, and so, you know, Peak, I think, really helped me um, adopt that, that you know, that... Mm -hmm 
that approach to tea that was necessary to experience health benefits. And of course, you branch out from tea into all the other plants that we have, you know, from the ginger to the hibiscus to the, to the you know, the, the mushrooms, the chaga, reishi, the turmeric, um, which is yeah. a wonderful product that mm -hmm. we just launched. Um, you know, having all of these things, I like to call it my quiver. And I alternate it according to how I feel and, you know, and, and the seasons, right? Just like I would do at, you know, at home. And as you know, you know, everybody's body is different. You can't have the one key for every single spot, every single person's body. And even one person's body alternates with the days, right? Some days I'm exhausted and I need something mm -hmm. different than if I've slept like, you know, 10 hours a night. Yeah, you mentioned the seasons and how different herbs can benefit you yeah. uh, uniquely in different seasons. So <clears throat> right now, as we speak, you know, you're in LA and I'm over here in Atlanta and we're heading towards winter. Uh, it's late November. So what would be some of the best herbs or the best herbal blends that you guys do to support somebody in the wintertime? Yeah, absolutely. So the, there are a couple, um, you know, in the winter, generally, you know, it's cold, right? Yeah. And so the, the person may react to the cold differently. Right. A lot of people don't have issues with cold. They can, you know, go out in the snow in a t-shirt, but a lot of people and more people, you know, commonly will get, you know, cold hands, cold feet. That's when you want to, you know, bundle up and stay warm. Right. And so yeah. different people will have different requirements, but for the vast majority of people that experience that don't like the cold or, you know, will experience cold extremities, you want things that will warm you, right? Mm. And so the most warming plants kind of in our arsenal are, are the ginger. So we have a ginger mm. digestion elixir um, right. and, the, and a turmeric, which are, you know, both wonderful yeah. warming teas to drink. And then we also have the immunity elixir, which is, a, which is made of rooibos, which is a very, very high polyphenol, um, you know, plant, but doesn't have caffeine and doesn't have any of the tannins that are in tea. And so that's a phenomenal one for the winter as well. I would strongly recommend those three. And of course, by on the same vein, like if it's the height of summer in August, maybe yeah. those are not the most suitable teas for you to drink. You might want right. to stick with the mint, you know, or the green teas um, and um, and things like that, the hibiscus. Green tea and mint are more cooling. <clears throat> they have more of a cooling effect. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And even just drinking the warm water, actually helps stimulate your vagus nerve, which is good for relaxation. A lot of people notice that they have better bowel movements when they start their day with warm drinks in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. Uh, it's a great way to kind of just settle your cortisol levels and give you more balanced energy throughout the day as well. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, drinking a hot beverage or warm beverage, especially warm water first thing in the morning is like, you know, that's like a centenarian health secret. You know, you have a very close relationship with your grandfather. I think the story is incredibly inspirational. My grandfather actually is, he's turning 107 in a month. Wow. And so, you know, one of his things has always been after every single meal, he gets up and he stands, he has like a, you know, like a bar top kind of table and he makes tea while he stands. And he literally will do that for hours um, talking mm. to his whole family and they'll gather around him and he'll, he'll have tea for himself and share it with everyone. And uh, he just talks and enjoys and, and drinks tea. Um, What's his favorite tea? He actually likes a oolong um, tea. So that's his favorite. He's very, very into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so I know one of my favorites is your cinnamon fasting tea. So I'm really big on intermittent fasting. And what's cool is that you worked with Dr. Jason Fung, a friend of mine, uh, to help formulate teas that help keep your blood sugar really, really stable. 
obviously, you know, we know tea in general really doesn't, doesn't impact your blood sugar unless you put something like honey or, or some sort of sugar in it. But also these teas like cinnamon really help to improve blood sugar metabolism, insulin sensitivity. So you get added benefits by adding in some of these teas and they help reduce cravings, which is great. So what was, uh, how did you guys come up with the formulation for your cinnamon fasting tea? Yeah. So, you know, one of the important ingredients in that, as you mentioned, is, is the cinnamon. Um, another one is, is the kind of the bergamot rind and another yeah. one is, is burdock. Um, so we really wanted to focus on the things that help provide, number one, provide satiety. So help give you that feeling of, you know, having, not being hungry, right? You know, right. Of, of kind of being full. Um, and there's, you know, you're working with Jason, who, you know, has done a, a ton of research in these different plants. Um, you know, burdock is something that's very, very good for, for digestion, you know, traditionally yeah. used in, 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 in um, you know, in Asia to support digestion health. Um, and then the, um, the bergamot, which has some, you know, anecdotal, you know, references in, in, in Italy with, with fasters there, right? Yeah. Um, and also a very traditionally used um, ingredient in, in Earl Grey, and that's actually what they right. make Earl Grey with. Um, and so for us, it was like, how do we combine things that can work harmoniously with each other? both functionally as well as from a flavor profile. So, you know, as kind of a tea blender, um, that's one of, you know, my prerogatives is like, you know, these things need to work holistically from, a, from you know, the, the, the functional point of view and also has to taste good. Um, and one thing we're very excited about with, the, with, the, with that fasting tea in particular, the cinnamon herbal, is that it has a very slight element of, of bitterness from the bergamot. I mean, it's very, very yeah. subtle. Um, and bitter is something that is very beneficial to, to health, um, yeah. as you're well aware of, particularly for people that have a lot of sugar cravings or are used to eating a ton of sugar. Um, the bitterness actually helps you develop a, you know, a sensitivity to, to things that are too sweet, you know, an right. aversion to it. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that with other, other bitter things like, uh, like sauerkraut or kimchi, um, yeah. apple cider vinegar and water a lot of people will use that to help quench cravings and we also say bitter is good for the liver so anything that has a bitter kind of astringent type of uh, flavor to it it's also very good for liver it helps helps to dilate the bile ducts and a lot of people have real congested bile ducts and bile is not moving well and bile becomes sluggish and and oftentimes that can end up developing a lot of digestive issues, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, because the bile actually helps to, it's antimicrobial in the small intestines, so it helps sweep out bad bacteria. So we really got to get the bile ducts moving well. So any sort of bitter ginger is really good for, for liver and moving those bile ducts. Um, the bergamot, like you mentioned, burdock as well. And burdock's also very good for the lymphatics. <clears throat> very, very good for lymphatic system drainage as well. So these herbs, you know, they work holistically on the body. Now, the key with these herbs, because if you just go and you get herbs, herbs can be contaminated with heavy metals, with molds, things like that. So I know you guys are doing this triple toxin screening. What did you find when you first started looking at herbs and what, what inspired you to do this sort of, uh, <clears throat> this sort of screening? Yeah. So, you know, the last thing you want to, so, you know, this goes back to kind of the, the portioning, right? So, if you need to drink three or more cups of tea a day, that's that's you know that's a substantial amount of tea, yeah. right? Um, and it's very different than if you're drinking it once a week. And so those the levels of those toxins can dramatically accumulate. 
right? It's like, you know, a lot of people don't want to eat tuna now because of the mercury. I mean, if you eat it once right. a month, it's not going to be an issue. But if you eat it, you know, twice a day, then it's going to become an issue very quickly. Um, same deal with these plants. Um, anything that, you know, I want to put into my body personally, I want to make sure that I can do it with confidence. Um, and so that triple toxin screening is something that just became kind of like a no brainer for us. You know, we were doing it, um, you know, we, obviously all of our teas are organic, right? And so there's a pesticide screening, but I realized that organic teas are actually not hundred percent clean. Like there are actually a lot of tainted organic teas out there. And so we started doing extra screening um, just to be sure that we weren't getting tainted tea. And then it occurred to me that, hey, you know what? Like we, we have to do this, like, you know, not just at, at you know, at, at like, you know, the point of getting the raw materials, we, we actually get it before we buy it. Then we do it again after we, it arrives in, in you know, our, our facility. And then we do it again on the final product, right? To test if it was tainted during the, the you know, the, the, the creation of mm -hmm. the crystals. Right. Um, and then of course that extended very quickly into heavy metals, um, and, and the toxic mold. And so, um, tea is definitely something that sequesters a lot of heavy metals from the earth. And so it's, it's very much something to be aware of. It's actually a wonderful plant because it, it cleans up, right. but what happens is that, you know, that, that stuff ends up in the leaves. And so, you know, screening for, for heavy metals is quite important. Uh, you know, our matcha and, and actually the, the electric turmeric, we actually screen for radioactive isotopes as well, because it's, you know, something that's sourced from Japan. Mm, yeah. You know, again, it comes from this, you know, I mean, extreme caution, you know, maybe paranoia about what I put into my body. Um, and, you know, certainly I want all of our community to benefit from that extra screening. Hey, I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about Peak Teas. Guys, if you want some sort of warm drink that actually enhances autophagy, helps suppress cravings, and helps you burn fat for fuel, you've got to try Peak Tea. They've got an incredible bergamot fasting tea that is a favorite, uh, and that has natural theoflavins that nourish your gut bacteria. They support your digestive health and boost satiety and help you beat hunger pangs. They also have a great ginger green fasting tea, which combines ginger, one of the best preventative herbs to support digestive health, as well as help reduce inflammation. And they combine that with the green tea, which has catechins. These catechins, these EGCGs, are great for stimulating autophagy, helping improve your energy. In fact, it's got just a mild dose of caffeine in there that helps you stay focused, gives you energy, helps, helps you overcome fasting fatigue. So these are great to drink in the morning to really get you going while you're doing intermittent fasting or if you're doing an extended fast and they're not gonna break your fast. They've also got a great cinnamon herbal fasting tea that helps balance your blood sugar and manage cravings. That one is naturally caffeine free. So to check out Peak Tea, go ahead and go to peaktea.com forward slash DR Jockers. That's actually where you're gonna get the exclusive discount that I've worked out for you guys. So again, it's P-I-Q, uetea.com and put out put down the coupon code jockers at checkout to get that discount guys you're gonna love these teas especially you know the the, the um, cold parts of the year having something warm a really good warm drink is one of the best things you can do to get your day going you will love these teas 
Yeah, I think that's so important. And, and mold is, is definitely a big issue. In fact, these polyphenols and a lot of these compounds, these adaptogens that the plants develop, really, they're, you know, one of their primary predators or primary threats is the formation of mold out in nature. So a lot of the compounds they're producing are antifungal to try to help protect against that. But it's very easy, especially once, once the herbs are picked and, you know, they're no longer alive, um, you know, for them to develop mold in the process. And so I think it's just so important that you guys are, are purifying it, making sure that that's not in there because mold and mycotoxins, so many people have sensitivities to that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, super important. So let's talk about, you know, obviously in our society today, immune system is a really big issue. So let's talk about some of your favorite blends that you use to help support good immune health. Yeah, definitely. So one of my favorite teas, which I drink every day, is our fermented um, poor green tea. Mm -hmm. um, this is a yeah. tremendously exciting product for us. Uh, and this was actually largely the, the inspiration for me getting into, into tea to begin with. So on one of my trips, you know, during my healing journey, I went to Yunnan province, which is next to Tibet. Um, it's called, you know, the foothills of the Himalayas because, you know, mm. it's the beginning of the Himalayan mountain range. It's also home to the biggest biodiversity of, of fungi in the world. It's a, it's a really cool place, very mountainous. Um, and uh, it's where tea was originally from. So, you know, the oldest tea tree that's still living there is 3,200 years old. Um, yeah, our customers used to get a picture of me with it, hugging it <laughs> when, they, when they checked out. Um, and uh, the, 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 a lot of the tea farms there, you know, or tea gardens rather, they actually have tea trees that are two, 300 years old on them. So, I mean, that's like, you know, two, three centuries ago, well before industrial farming, right? Um, and they were planted from seeds. So when I first went to visit these farms, they, you know, the, the people that tend to these trees, I mean, they're more like, you know, like, they're more like, you know, tree guardians than, than farmers because these trees grow in, in huge jungles. Like you have to use your machete to hack your way in to harvest, which is crazy, right? Compared to the way farms look these days. Um, and then, you know, they were explaining to me that, you know, when these trees are, 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 you know, planted, it's planted with a seed. And you think, well, you know, aren't all trees planted with seeds? Well, you know, the growth cycle of a tea tree before it's ready for harvesting is 50 years. So, you know, planting a tea tree with a seed, you know, you need 50 years before that starts producing any, any, any wow. income for you, right? So, I mean, it's basically unheard of. Nobody would do that in this day yeah. and age. Um, and, uh, and so, when the seed gets planted, as you've probably seen when you sprout a bean sprout or sprout some things, a, a tiny little shoot comes out of there. And that root forms the central root structure of the whole organism, right? And, and that central root actually starts growing down, deep down, and as far down as it can, and then it starts to branch out. So you have a deep central root that's, that, that then branches out. The, 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 the contrast to that is that, you know, the way that most tea, tea trees are grown today is that you'll take a, a branch and you'll cut it and then you'll stick it in some water and it'll grow some roots and then you'll stick that hmm. thing in the ground. That tree will instantly start growing its roots sideways instead of downwards. Hmm. And so when you have a, a tea farm where all the trees are planted like that, you have completely depleted topsoil which means that you have to feed the plants. They're all competing with each other to, for nutrients. So you have to feed with fertilizers, chemicals. And then after that, you become very, um, you know, you become very 
you know, averse to having any sort of weeds and other herbs and things like that grow because they're competing for nutrients. Right. So you use herbicides and weed killers and kill off everything, right? So that your plants can survive. And the, your plants become very weak because it's on basically this chemical life support. And so you have pests that can easily attack it, mold that can easily kill them off. Then you have fungicides and pesticides. So this whole thing is like this artificial, you know, chemically support, you know, like, mm. like you know, this terrible food source. Um, and then you have the poor teas that we make, which are huge trees, you know, they're probably like, you know, six, you know, up to 10 feet tall, all the plants and the herbs and the shrubs and whatever it is that's growing in this jungle, they die, they decompose, they are not fighting with this tree for nutrients because the roots are so deep, it has no impact. And then you have all these things that are dying and decomposing and enriching the soil as a right. result. And so the tree is completely symbiotic with its environment. Mm. And all these, you know, kind of tea farmers are doing is going and plucking the most tender buds, you know, the basically the shoot and the two baby leaves during the spring and maybe the autumn, but they pluck it twice a year and the tree is left alone otherwise. And they're turning that into, into tea, which is the raw material for our fermented green tea and the fermented black tea. And it's just this unbelievable food source that is so rare and so unprecedented today. So the deeper the roots grow, the stronger and healthier the tree is and, and therefore the leaves as well and the right. better the product. Right, and you have trace minerals from the deep earth that you don't get on yeah. the surface. Yeah. There's, there's not usage of any chemicals whatsoever. And then you also have the decomposition of all the other greenery, right? That's adding to the richness of the nutrients that's, that this tree's getting, which is ultimately going to the leaves, right? So yeah, all make that stuff <clears throat> dying and decomposing is going into the leaves that we're drinking. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like uh, there's another company, Dry Farms Wine. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and most wine, most trees that are growing grapes are irrigated and they're really living off the topsoil like you were talking about. Yeah. So they only purchase from small wineries that have roots that grow really deep. So they're really living symbiotically off the land, kind of similar yeah. to what you're talking about here. So it's a really important thing for our listeners to know that there's a difference between you know, different types of green tea based on the root structure and the, the, the health of the overall tree that's producing that green tea. So, so yep. critical. Now, when you guys, when you formed Peak Tea, first off, where did you come up with the name? So it's P-I-Q-U-E. Was there any inspiration for that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was kind of the idea mm -hmm. that the tea crystals, you know, peak your interest, peak your taste mm -hmm. buds, you know, peak your health. Um, it's also a very aesthetically you know, nice looking word because it has five letters. It's kind of balanced. Um, and we thought that it really represented kind of the, you know, the, 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 you know, both aesthetically and as well as in meaning kind of what we wanted yeah. to do with the brand. Yeah. And your teas come in little packets, right? And so it's just basically packets of herbs, right? That you then dump in your cup and with your hot water and kind of mix it up. And so what was the inspiration for that as opposed to like a tea bag or, you know, just loose leaf tea? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it was actually in the same area in Yunnan province, the natives had this, so poor tea is very difficult to brew because it's so, it's actually a different species of tea tree. So not only is it grown a different way, the species is different. These trees get much bigger. They produce much bigger leaves and the leaves have much higher levels of polyphenols in the, than, than other tea species. And so what that means is that these leaves, when you brew them to extract them and infuse them, 
there's you can actually brew them for upwards, you know, of, of 10, you know, 20 times again and again, re-steeping before you extract everything out of it. Which is, of course, extraordinarily time consuming is great if you're just, you know, hanging out for the day and, you know, chilling out and you can just do this for hours. But, you know, for most people that are on the go, it's just it's very time consuming. And so the, the natives, they had this funny way of extracting where they would put the leaves in, in these pots and just light a fire under it. And, you know, all the after a long period of brewing, it could be like, you know, up to an hour or two, they would extract everything from the leaves into the water. Then they, they, you know, they basically discard the spent leaves and they keep evaporating the water until there's like a paste left behind, like a resin. And they scrape that up and portion it into these like pellets, like a pill, and they just eat it. And they would, they, they would eat it on the go, you know, hiking from one village to the next can take days, you know, some before, you know, the, the, the roads became so, so well built, um, but they would just eat it and it keeps them going. It keeps them vital. And when I saw that, I said, hey, you know, that's that's ingenious. Like this, the world could benefit from this. But of course, you know, that method of extraction is very, you know, it's quite primitive. It's very, it's very bitter. The heat destroys a lot of antioxidants. And so we innovated upon that with our um, cold crystallization technology. So we actually cold brew um, our teas, you know, cold to lukewarm water, depending on the tea. Yeah. So it's a very gentle process of extraction that takes a much longer time, right? Um, and you know, you can put tea leaves in your fridge in the water and it will actually extract by the next day. Mm -hmm. You know, that's basically cold brewing. Um, so we, we get everything out of the leaves in a very gentle way. Then we discard the leaves. So you have this very, very concentrated, you know, liquid, this tea brew. And then the next phases are basically removing the water out of that brew. And the first step is like a filtration, a reverse osmosis filtration. Mm -hmm. So re with reverse osmosis, you normally keep the water, right? We actually throw the water. I mean, like, you know, we reuse the water for, you know, other things, but we keep all the stuff that's left behind. So, you know, we started with RO water to, to, to brew the tea in, and then we discard the leaves and then you basically run that thing through another RO filter. So all the stuff that's left behind are the dissolvable elements that were in the tea. Um, and then the next step is like a uh, pressurized vacuum drying process. So, you know, it's kind of like bringing water to Mount Everest, you know, you can, you can, you can boil it and then it will evaporate, but it never gets hot. It's just, right. you know, you can never brew tea on Mount Everest because you can't produce hot water because of the pressure. So that's how we get rid of all the remaining water. Um, and you're left with tea crystals. And so it's, just, it's like, you know, it's an artisanal process. It really is. Um, you know, it's, it's every single tea is, is, is crystallized in a different way with a different heat, with a different brewing temperature to basically, you know, get the right flavor profile. Flavor is also the taste of active ingredients. When you have the right flavor profile, you have the right active ingredient profile. Um, mm. It's quite remarkable. Um, and then, uh, and you know, our, our tea crystals have won three gold medals at the Global Tea Championships. Um, and so, you know, this is like in a competition against other loose leaf teas or teas from all over the world. Um, and so it's a real testament to kind of how, you know, exacting and how, um, you know, artisanal and masterful that crystallization process is. What goes into winning those medals? Are they ranking it based on the flavor profile? Yeah, so it's a couple of things. Yeah. It's flavor and then it's color. And okay. then sometimes it's, you know, mouthfeel, which is similar to flavor. Right, and it's so, like a taste test with like experts who've tasted yes, yes. Know, thousands taste. of different teas. Yeah, there will be a smell also sometimes. Smell, yeah. But the color is very important. Mm -hmm. The color of tea is hugely important in these taste tests. Um, you know, teas that are certain should have a certain color. 
Um, and the color is also indicative of the active ingredients, by the way. Right. So, you know, green tea, you know, all of the, the greenness to it is a different color. So in black teas, the aflavins are actually the color of the tea. Okay. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, what yeah. we understand of, of peppers, right? And, and eggplants and, and, and carrots. It's no different right. for teas. Right. Is it the catechins that are in the green tea that give it its green color? Or is that yeah, like chlorophyll? That's, or? That's, that's, there's chlorophyll in there. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, a big part of the chlorophyll. Um, the green tea also has like a yellow, kind of has a yellow tint sometimes. Right. Um, and so that's also a, you know, one of the, the, the active ingredients. Really fascinating. Speaking of color, you've got this great electric turmeric uh, tea yeah. as well. And um, that one is triple fermented. You used like an Okinawan recipe. And so the Okinawans are some of the longest lived people in Okinawa, Japan. Uh, so one of the largest areas called a blue zone. So they have more centurions, people that are living over 100 than almost anywhere else in the world. And they have a special way that they ferment turmeric. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So it's fermented. So our turmeric is, is fermented with, with mango yeast. So with, mm. with yeast that is extracted from um, Okinawan mango, as well as right. a rice wine that, you know, they've been drinking for centuries there. So it's mm -hmm. a combination of these two things. And so the fermentation of the turmeric makes it more bioavailable because it's right. like, if you think about it, if you drink, you know, raw turmeric, your body, you know, the, the microbiome has to go and metabolize it, it right and in often often cases with these you know superfoods it's it's the byproduct of the of the of the you know of, of the um of that it's kind of like the way yeast produces you know sugar and alcohol right it's it's like the byproduct that it actually has health benefits it's the metabolites right and so so you know when even when you drink tea or when you drink turmeric it goes into your gut tea the catechins in tea are not bioavailable in your entire digestive tract in fact they're not they're barely bioavailable at all like they don't get into your body so everyone's like oh catechins are great catechins are great your body does nothing with the catechins it's actually your gut microbiome your bugs mm -hmm. in there that are eating up that those catechins and metabolizing it and so it's the byproduct. It's basically the metabolites mm. that have tremendous health benefits. So it's the same thing with the turmeric. And so the fermentation process actually, you know, it's like a one stage fermentation. It's a one, one stage, you know, metabolic process yeah. that's embedded in, inside the product already. So it's, you know, it's, it's more absorbable. It's easier for your body to use. Yeah, it's really fascinating. And so basically <clears throat> when you're drinking these teas, is there like a specific time or are they always better to drink away from meals? Are there any specific herbal blends that you have that are better to drink like right before a meal to kickstart digestion or possibly even with a meal? Yes, absolutely. So this is the time when, you know, listening to your body and everyone's body is different, you know, is mm -hmm. super important, right? Um, generally speaking, the, you know, the protocol that we recommend is to drink black tea in the morning because many people want a higher kind of, you know, faster releasing caffeine in the morning to, yeah. to you know, get the energy boost and then green tea in the afternoon after lunch or during lunch. Um, and then an herbal tea in the evening, right? So that, you know, that way you get your three, your three cups very, very easily mm. with great ease, right? Yeah. Um, now with your black tea, and of course, different people should switch this up. With your black tea, 
um, you can either do it with milk or without milk or with food or without food, mm -hmm. right? And of course, there are many, many shades in between this as well, because, you know, we, we mix black tea and green teas with ginger and all sorts of things just to help people fine tune. Um, but, you know, when you decide whether to, to do it with food, without food, it's 100% dependent on how your stomach feels. Okay. Right. So for people that have cold extremities typically are suited for have a cooler body type, drinking green tea on an empty stomach can most often for people that have that body type um, lead to some sort of dis stomach discomfort and even nausea. Mm. Right. Mm. And, you know, that's normally a smaller um, people that have that extreme reaction are normally a smaller subset. But they're definitely present. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why interesting because when I drink green tea. I get nauseous. Well, okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Exactly. So I do great with all the other ones, but green tea I get nauseous with, yeah. When you fast, right? Not when you're- Yeah, eating. I'm fasting, yeah, exa I'm, right. uh, exactly, right. nothing in my right. stomach. Right. Yep. So for people um, in your case, and I'm the same way, by the way, I can't drink green tea on any stomach. For people like us, we should be drinking green tea when we eat. Yeah, right. So just because you're not drinking it during your fasting window doesn't mean it's like, it's useless, you know, right. in fact, it's, it's great. And, and, you know, traditionally people drink tea when they eat specifically right. to help, you know, support their digestion and their metabolism. Um, and so it's great. And, you know, with tea, you also want to drink the rainbow, just like you don't want to just eat like, you know, what red peppers, like your entire life, you kind of want to mix it up. Yeah. Right. So with tea, you want to drink the rainbow too. Um, and so, in, you know, for people like us, we have the green tea, which actually has a ginger, you know, the, 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 the ginger fasting tea has a little bit of green tea and a lot of kind of ginger digestion yeah. and different herbs and things like that could suit better. And for people that even find that too sensitive or, you know, too sensitivity inducing can do the full herbal fasting, right? Right. which is, you know, basically, you know, completely no green tea at all. And then there's also the bergamot black fasting for people that are sensitive to green tea, but do well with black tea. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So we have a range, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a real quiver of different things. And so there's one interesting thing to note here is that, you know, green tea can, you know, that's, and that's another reason I recommend green tea in the afternoon because most people have had, you know, maybe have breakfast or, you know, had some, some one meal, right possibly if you're if you're fasting or if you're not fasting you've certainly had, had one meal um, then the green tea works very well at that time and will suit anybody um, the interesting thing about the energy and caffeine release about about teas i think is really important here um, green tea the caffeine in green tea is bound to um catechins which is the the polyphenol, the yeah. antioxidant. And so um, what happens is that it forms a bigger molecule. It forms a bigger compound, sorry. Um, and so, you know, when you drink the green tea, your body, you know, it goes into your digestive tract and your body needs to break down that bigger compound before the caffeine, you know, molecules get released. Mm -hmm. So what that, and that takes time, right? Cause it's like digestion. You don't digest in like one second, right? So what happens is that there's normally a time release of caffeine and green tea that's observed over like, you know, anywhere up to four to four to six hours, right? Which is great if you don't yeah. want energy all at once, right. you know, so you drink, yeah. If you drink an espresso, it's like, boom, but then you get a crash yeah. after that. Right. Um, and a lot of, you know, that crash doesn't work well for a lot of people. It's in fact leads to hunger cravings. It leads yeah. to anxiety, yeah, sure. and jitters. Um, but the green tea is a very stable and that's why people love matcha because it's a very stable energy, very high levels of mm. L-theanine, which is like nature's chill pill. Mm. It's like a relaxant. Yeah. Um, caffeine and yeah, the L-theanine is really good combination 
it's like nature's natural combination with the caffeine because the caffeine gives you that mental stimulus, but then the theanine is calming and relaxing. So you just get better focus overall. It's, I mean, I think it's one of the most magical, you know, natural compounds you'll you'll find out there. And and tea, thalthenine only occurs in tea. You don't find it in any other, any other plant anywhere else. And it, it is exactly, as you say, it's combined. You have a relaxant combined with a stimulant. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. And you have polyphenols, which is, you know, an, an immune supporting, you know, compound. Yeah. And theanine is more like an adaptogen relaxant. So like if you take it in the morning, it's not like you're going to fall asleep, right? Yes. It just That's exactly calm it. your mind so you can focus better. But if you take it at night when you're trying to sleep, then it's going to help you sleep because your melatonin's higher, your cortisol's lower. So it really works with your natural rhythms. Yes, yes, I couldn't agree more. And it's for this for and, and it's because of that a lot of people will drink tea. And on some nights they're like, oh my God, like it kept me up all night. And then on other nights it's like, oh no, you know, like I slept like a baby. Mm-hmm. And it that actually is because it's an adaptogen. It actually has a lot to do with your mental state. If you're completely right. stressed out and strung out and you have green tea at night, well, you know, it's probably it, it there's a very high likelihood it'll keep you up, right? Yeah. Um, now what what kind of tea would be good at night like for relaxing and calming or so many people have anxiety at night trouble sleeping what do you recommend yeah. blend in your arsenal for that yeah yeah so so i i strongly recommend the high, well there are a couple the ginger digestion is great you know mm-hmm. as we head into the winter for people who don't like ginger because they're naturally like you know some people it makes them sweat because they're so you know hot um, they, then, you know, the hibiscus is great. It's wonderful for digestion in Mexico. People drink hibiscus tea with their, with all of their meals, right. Mm. Or digestive effect. And then the mint is, is very, very relaxing. We have a spearmint that's, you know, from, from Oregon, it's a very, very high quality spearmint. Um, and, and that's wonderful at night because mm. it's calming and also supports digestion. And then for like more of an elixir, you know, the, the, the reishi calming yeah. elixir, helps, you know, helps people is definitely an adaptogen is a mood enhancer. It really helps people kind of, you know, support healthy, you know, sleeping, deeper sleep. Um, and then the, um, the turmeric as well. Yeah. We so good. Yeah. The, the rooibos is also great because, you know, it's got polyphenols. Yeah. I, I've, I've really liked Rishi in the evenings that tends to really calm, relax me and help me fall asleep. Years ago, I used to struggle with insomnia. So I try to be real intentional about my habits at night. Yeah. Make sure that uh, I don't get that cortisol wave, uh, you know, after 930 or whatever. And uh, so I'm able to yeah. fall asleep at a, at a good, good level. And Rishi definitely has helped me with that. So, yeah. Yeah. For me, it's like, you know, it's kind of like the equivalent, the plant, well, the, the herbal tea equivalent of like drinking a glass of wine. Yeah. Yeah. It's so relaxing and it's so, it's just, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. Well, this has been a great interview. Any, any last words of inspiration, advice for people, any, any last things you want to finish up with? Um, you know, I don't, you know, don't think I, I have any advice um, per se, but you know, really that I, I think that I have um, seen some pretty experience in my life, just, you know, pretty, pretty dismal health results, um, which really made me very kind of like depressed and just like sad, you know, I was like 30 and I had three operations and like had tubes in my arms, like so many occasions, Mm. Um, you know, and and during that 30th, you know, when, when I had the, um, the, the broad spectrum antibiotics, it was either like I had to sit in like a dialysis clinic or a chemotherapy clinic 
for literally like three, four hours a day because you have to drip it in very slowly. It's so powerful yeah. or self-administer it. And, you know, I've seen like the worst. And, and I have to say that, you know, now 10 years, 12 years hence, like I've never felt better. I've never found greater meaning in my life, you know, sharing, you know, this stuff that I'm passionate with, with people. Um, and, uh, you know, all of it came from the, 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 the moment of taking responsibility for, for my health of, you know, this concept of like waking up, taking back control, taking responsibility, you know, not just outsourcing it to, to, you know, the expert, the doctor, yeah. whoever it is, you know, and so I, I just encourage everyone who has health issues to really kind of, um, you know, be aware of, of what they're doing, of the treatments that they're getting, you know, and, and even I think, you know, as you work with people, Dr. Jockers, like, you know, I think the more awareness they have, then the, the better connection you have with them, right? It's kind of like you're both on this healing brainwave, you know, I work with, um, you know, healers have worked on me, where it's like, I try to sync with them. And I try to sync my awareness with my body with, you know, what, what they're trying to do to me. And it's just like, it's a completely different experience. And that comes from that awareness and that responsibility. So I guess, you know, everything's in your control. <laughs> yeah. You heard it there, guys. The, the power to take back control of your health is in your control, is in, is in your hands. You just got to start taking action. So fantastic yeah. interview. Just, uh, you know, really want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Simon, for um, your depth of knowledge and, you know, your, your ability to create a, to really be an industry disruptor, you know, and when it comes to the tea industry, um, really taking it to the next level with the purity, the effectiveness, the color, the taste quality, and um, just the overall richness of the herbs that you guys are using. So guys, definitely check them out. Peak Tea, we'll have uh, all the information in the show notes and a special discount coupon for you as well. Um, so peak tea guys and Simon, thanks so much again for the great interview. And for those of you guys that, that are new to our podcast, be sure to subscribe and also leave us a review. That way we reach more people and we'll see you guys on a future podcast. Be blessed everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.